This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com podcasts. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast and another transfer special, this time with very special guest, Ryan Taylor from the Daily Express. Ryan, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm all good, thanks, Chris. Thanks very much for, for giving me the pleasure of uh, coming on to your show. I'm a big fan of uh, that intro right there. It's really flashy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, first of all, I want to talk about you. Um, what's it like being a sports journalist and what's it like uh, following Tottenham Hotspur? Because there's always something going on when it's to do with Spurs. There is. Um, fortunately, um, in a way, I don't simply, I don't just cover Spurs. So um, I'm kind of looking at all the clubs, really. But I know there's kind of that uh, running joke within the, uh, the Spurs fan base about Alistair Gold and, you know, going on holiday and stuff happening with... Uh, with Spurs, so I'm kind of a, a close follower of that. Um, but in terms of, you know, being a journalist and, and covering football, you know, that's what I wanted to do since I was a kid. So, you know, I'm very fortunate in uh, in many ways, to be honest, to do this for a living. But at the same time, you know, there is kind of stuff 
particularly in the transfer window that comes with it, that, you know, can be frustrating in terms of, uh, you know, the fans that get on your back about transfers. And, you know, if you, you report something, then it doesn't quite come off. There is kind of ramifications for that. So, yeah, it's all good fun and it's something I really enjoy. We all love a transfer. We love a bit of transfer gossip. Um, where's the best place uh, or the best experience you've uh, you've had so far being a journalist? Best place you've been? That's probably a tough one, to be honest. Um, in terms of covering a, an event or a game, I've done Champions League matches. Um, I've done two heavyweight world title fights between Anthony Joshua and Yusik at Tottenham, actually, and uh, Dillian White and Tyson Fury. So that's that's been within the past year. So probably one of those really. But in terms of to other stuff that I've experienced, you know, covering um, sports journalism, I got I got to play at Juventus's stadium, which was quite an wow. experience actually. So yeah, it's it's all good fun. What did you make of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and that Joshua fight? Because I tell you what, that experience for me, I was actually um, ringside and looking up. At the stadium with with everybody, um, you know the the songs, the the atmosphere that night was just simply incredible. What do you think of Tottenham's new stadium? It's a work of art, isn't it? I think you know a lot of people have said it's you know the best stadium in certainly in English football, but world football. And to be honest, I don't think those kind of suggestions. You, I don't think you can argue with that. Like you said, you know that night I was there. I remember the the firework display for uh, AJ's ring walk, and it was. It was one of those moments that, you know, until you actually probably leave the venue and look back on it, you don't quite realise how, yeah. you know, impressive it, it was. And, uh, you know, no criticism of uh, Frank Warren and stuff, but it was quite the contrast from the uh, the Fury-White fight at, at Wembley, which was kind of a flat atmosphere, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think when I compared the two, it kind of made me realise how, how special Tottenham Stadium uh, was. Well, Ryan, you're here to talk about transfers and Tottenham Hotspur. But first of all, uh, before we start, you've just started up your own YouTube channel talking about transfers on a regular basis. How can people find you and how did that come about? So, to be honest, transfers have always been my thing. Um, it's a niche I kind of fell into quite early during my time in the industry. I've been a sports journalist nearly four years now. Um, but, you know, like many football fans, I've always had that, that passion for transfers. And, uh, you know, even since I was really young, I had a ridiculously good knowledge um, of, of all the foreign leagues and stuff. So that's kind of how it got going. Um, and then around about three summers ago, I managed to have a story that kind of fell on my lap with uh, Everton signed John-Philippe Gabamin from Mainz. He's a midfielder. He hasn't played much, to be honest, due to injuries. But um, I kind of broke that story, to be honest with you. And uh, the, the buzz and uh, the kind of excitement I got from that um, really just kind of paved the way, really, for the transfers. And, and since then, I've, I've been really hot on it. Um, it's something I've, I've really built upon. And uh, thankfully, at the Express last summer, I was given the chance to, to write my own column, Taylor's Tuesday Transfers. And that's how the YouTube channel started, really. I started writing about these stories. But I totally uh, kind of understood that you know not everyone's about reading articles and it's particularly in the, the kind of world we're in at the moment so I thought I'll do a bit of video as well so I started that up in January just as a kind of next project and uh, you know my followers and stuff have really started to grow in the past uh, six months so yeah I'm keen to just get as much content out there as I can for fans it's something I enjoy it's a passion and um, 
and yeah, as you mentioned, it's kind of uh, something that I've started recently. So uh, the channel was called Taylor's Taylor Talks Transfers. It's a it's a work in progress at the moment, to be honest with you. I'm still kind of getting up to date with it and and learning what works. It's, it's nothing kind of uh, like your channel, Chris. I was, like I said, I was really impressed with that intro, but it's kind of me just sat there talking in, in detail about the stories and the information that I get from sources. So yeah, that's pretty much. I've got, it admit, I've got to admit, I do read a lot of the Daily Express articles, and every time I look at them, uh, it's you writing them. So uh, fair play. <laughs> now, firstly, I would love to get your thoughts on Tottenham's transfer business so far, because you covering transfers, you're probably not used to, you know, certainly in the last few years of Tottenham doing their business early and signing, you know, it seems like we're signing real quality household names this summer. Yeah, and, you know, I kind of uh, argued the toss really with Spurs. I put a tweet out a couple of days ago just sort of praising that if Spurs managed to get the uh, the six signings over the line before the South Korea trip, which looks a bit touch and go at the moment with Longley and uh, certainly Spence, which is still, you know, not necessarily a guarantee at this moment in time that if they pulled those six signings off, you know, that is, I think that window speaks for itself. And there was a lot of Arsenal fans and stuff, as you get on Twitter, commenting and saying, you know, these players aren't necessarily world beaters. But I think what's important to recognise about Tottenham's business is that they're assembling a team, they're assembling a squad that is going to be capable of competing, not only in the Premier League, but in Europe and the cup competitions. And they're not just signing big name individuals like we see with the likes of Manchester United. They're they're carefully hand picking these players that suit yeah. Conte's system. You know, if we look at Richarlison, you know, on paper it's no guarantee that he starts ahead of Kulisevsky, Son or or Kane. But actually when you take into consideration how many games are going to be played across yeah. the, the course of a long season, I think that's the exact kind of signing that's really gonna, you know, push Spurs closer towards Manchester City and Liverpool, which we will obviously come on to talk about. Where do you see Richarlison fitting in, though, Ryan? Because, you know, for me, he's a very versatile forward. He can play on the left, can play on the right, can play through the middle. Um, where do you think he will play on the pitch for the majority of the time we're going to see him in a Spurs shirt? It's difficult to say, because as you mentioned, you know, he's a versatile player. But for me, when I saw that Spurs were, you know, closing in on Richarlison, uh, I did kind of raise my eyebrows because, as I just touched upon, you know, stylistically, he doesn't necessarily fit straight in because we've seen him at Everton play off the left like him in Son. Um, obviously, Harry Kane, we know, is going to be the, the out-and-out number nine at Spurs. So, unless there's a kind of tactical switch to maybe a 3-4-1-2 uh, a with a number 10, but even still, you know, you'd expect Son to play up front with Kane over Richarlison. Um so it's interesting, but I think the important point really that just does cement why it's a, a strong acquisition is the fact, you know, the amount of games that are going to be played. And, you know, as we've seen in the past few years, if Harry Kane gets injured, you know, Spurs, to be fair to their credit, have, have coped quite, uh, quite well without him with the likes of uh, Son and Mora through the middle. But, you know, yeah. Richarlison would give them a, a real, you know, although he's obviously nowhere near the quality of, of Kane, that's a you know, it's still a top quality centre forward that could automatically just fit in. So I think it will just be a case of rotation. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him feature on the right, even though it's, you know, not his his ideal position. But um, it, it just brings options to the table. And I think that's ultimately what Tottenham need. 
25 million pounds for Eve Basuma, who uh, who I believe was probably one of the most underrated midfielders in the last couple of years. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, you only have to look at his performance against Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think it was in March when uh, Trossard nicked that, that late winner. But some of the, the movement with his feet just to beat the press. And, you know, you would never watch Basuma and think he's an absolute Rolls Royce. But what he does is just so effective. You know, he holds, he, he glues it all together. He's he's a very um, intelligent footballer. Um, you know, he, he can get from box to box, but he can also sort of dictate from that number six role. Um, he's not a quality passer as such, but I think he's still got that eye for a further ball forward. And as I mentioned, he can shift the ball from left to right. And I think, you know, alongside Rodrigo Bentancourt, I think, I think that could be a really mouth-watering partnership in there. And, you know, even having players like, Pierre Emil Hoiberg and potentially competing for the places within the squad, I think. And Oliver Skip, of course, you can't forget him. I just think it, it puts Spurs in such great stead moving forward. Would you expect Ivan Perisic to come in as left wing back? Yeah, I think I would, to be honest. If, if Richarlison wasn't signed, then, you know, it would probably point towards um, him playing further forward as well. And I do still think that will be the case. I, I do think we'll see Perisic in the front three at times this season, but that, that wing-back role is sort of tailor-made for him, really. You know, we saw it into Milan, just how effective he can be. You know, even at his age, he's got the mobility. And for me, the, the thing I always think about Ivan Perisic is his productivity. He's always had, you know, a real eye for goal. He can create goals. He can yeah. cross the ball. He's direct. And, you know, I, I just think as an absolute no-brainer for Spurs, even when I... I first had information, I think it was back in April, that, that Spurs were open to exploring the deal. I just thought it made total sense. You know, even from a financial perspective, a two-year contract, he's not going to... I don't think his wages are astronomical, but at the same time, you're adding a, a, a world-class operator for, you know, no transfer fee. So I think from that perspective, the perfect kind of player to, to share the minutes out with Ryan Tessignon as well. Ryan, of course, uh, we've signed Fraser Forster as well on a free transfer. Your thoughts on him? Because he's got a lot of European experience as well. I, I wouldn't expect him to play in the Champions League games, but um, do you think he will get much time in a Spurs shirt under Conte? It'll probably just be a case of, uh, obviously, you know, helping provide a strong competition on the training pitch for, for Lloris. And, you know, sometimes when you have a, a keeper like Galini that we saw last summer, um, arrive, you know, with all due respect, he didn't really keep Loris on his toes. Whereas Forster has, you know, regularly been used to to competing for the the number one spot at Southampton with the likes of Alex McCarthy um, and Angus Gunn. And although you know it's clear that Loris is a you know a different class of goalkeeper to to Forster, I think you know to share the minutes out in the cup competitions as well. I think he's a very sturdy backup goalkeeper and. If you look across the Premier League, I don't think you'll get too many much better than Forster, to be honest. And I actually, I, I find it quite hard to understand why he hasn't played more over Alex McCarthy. Because, you know, whenever I've seen him, he tends to make some, some unbelievable saves. But um, whereas McCarthy seems to have a, a few howlers in him. But ultimately, you know, I think this is a, one that ticks the homegrown box as well. I just think, once again, it's one that makes so much sense for, for Spurs. Right, so that's four deals done so far. Um, are you surprised as a journalist that Spurs have done the business so soon, so early? I think I am, to be honest with you, because if you look at the past few 
few summers, there's been so many kind of interesting storylines with Spurs. I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was one summer that did you not make a sign-in altogether? Or, well, um, I, I, people laugh at this stat because I bring it up on this channel so often. We went 518 days without a signing. And then we signed Jack Clark, who we will talk about later on. Um, but 518 yeah. days under Pochettino without a signing. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry for um, that evaded my brain there. But, you know, it does feel like this is a kind of different era for Tottenham. And this is exactly what Paratici was brought in to do. I know Daniel Levy has been at the heart of, you know, the majority of the business, to be to be fair to him, especially the Richarlison deal, which he, uh, he thrashed out with Bill Kenwright in London. But Paratici is... As uh, you know, a lot of people talk about has this spider web of, of connections that really allows him to explore so many transfers. And um, I think it was, you know, was it January when you were looking at the likes of Sofia and Amrabat and, and players like yep. that? And I think yep. that, you know, even in that six month window, it really does show how far Tottenham have come. And to be honest, I think that's the, the impact of Antonio Conte because he's demanding that, that Tottenham really do you know, attempt to compete with the best in the Premier League, the likes of Liverpool and, and City. But in order to do that, you know, he needs that full backing. And, and towards the end of the season, it was quite clear that um, he would demand that. And if he couldn't receive um, promises and, and that commitment from the board, then he, he would probably have considered his future. And I, I do think, you know, there was no greater um, show of commitment from the board than to do what they've they've done in the opening four, uh, four weeks. And, you know, ultimately, I, from my perspective, I feel like Tottenham have cemented top four already for next season. I know that's kind of a, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But if you look at a team like United, um, you know, I'm sure they'll do effective business. But they've, they've just lost six players upon the expiry of their contracts. And if you take into consideration just how far off they were last season, in my head, you need to replace them and add five or six more. But it doesn't yeah. look like that will happen. Whereas Tottenham... They've kept the crux of their squad and they're adding quality players that genuinely improve the uh, the options in the team. So, you know, I think Spurs will be pushing third upwards, but obviously we don't know what's going to happen. There's still a long time to go in the window. Ryan, you mentioned the January transfer window. When you go back um, and, and the players that you mentioned there who we were being linked with, well, on deadline day, we yeah. then eventually signed Kulishevsky and Bentonker and a lot of fans... You know, I had uh, Juventus uh, fans on here. I had an Italian journalist on here who were telling me they were no better than Harry Winks. Uh, we just signed two duds from Juventus, two rejects from Juventus. A number of Spurs fans weren't happy as well. And then, of course, you know, they played um, extremely well. We got top four. Um, they were two fantastic signings in the end, weren't they? How did, how did you feel uh, at the end of that January window? Did you think that Spurs were going to finish in the top four, being honest? I've all, I've always fancied Spurs under Conte just because I'm a big I'm just such a big fan of his you know the way he demands the maximum from the team you never really see a Conte side although you know Tottenham did have a bit of a rut mid-season when there was a few questionable results you never yeah. really see a, a Conte side sort of go into a, a point of no return where you know they're on their knees I know it was difficulties at Chelsea and stuff but. I always felt Tottenham were going to get better and stronger under Conte the longer the season went on. But I have to be honest, you know, the Ben Tancor and Kulisevsky deal was like, at the time, I was much like Spurs supporters. I was a little bit underwhelmed by those, given um, the players that you'd offloaded in January. And there was an, on Ndombele, Giovanni Lo Celso, there's a few others. 
and yeah. Brian Hill went on loan to Valencia and it felt like you were significantly weakened, you know, even the, the fringe players within the squad and not really adding too much quality. But, you know, the impact of both of those players was, you know, off the scale, really, particularly Kulisevsky. If you look at his numbers and, you know, even, you know, the quality of some of his, his goals and, and assists. I remember the assist against Leicester for, for Son, I think it was, and or I don't know if it was an assist, but the neat work on the touchline, the footwork. And then that goal at Norwich on the final day, I think, you know, if you look at his age, that's a serious prospect there for Spurs. And I think already they're they're kind of laughing in terms of the, the value that they're going to make on that um, that signing there. And, and Ben Tancor is he's just a very steady operator who, in my opinion, he doesn't do anything that's incredibly flash. But what he does do is, is always so effective. You know, he was affecting the game at both ends of the pitch towards the end of the season. So... You know, over time, I think we've grown to realise that Paratici, you know, knows best because even myself, some of the signings he made in the uh, last summer were, in my view, you know, quite questionable. But I think there's a clear structure in place now. And I think Spurs are really reaping the rewards of bringing that extra support in between the manager and Levy. I was going to ask, Ryan, he's been at the club now for just over a year. How would you assess his time at Spurs? Because the signings that he's made this summer, of course, the fans are extremely happy with. When you look back at the January transfer window, those couple of signings that come in have done extremely well, hit the ground running. Um, this guy just seems to be a workaholic and just doesn't stop working, does he? Exactly. And I think, you know, from a supporter's perspective, you know, I can't vouch for Tottenham fans, but at the same time, you know, that's all you you want to see your club doing is showing ambition and, and really yeah. putting the feelers out there. And, you know, even if, you know, some stuff doesn't come off, there's, there's movement, there's activity. And we've seen so many times in the past few weeks, players linked with Tottenham. And, you know, even when you were going for, for Bastoni, I know it didn't come off, but there was clear targets and there was, you felt like there was forward planning. And, you know, from the indications that are kind of, of out there, Paratici didn't really stop when the season finished. He, he carried on and, and really wanted to uh, to help gain that ground on the, the other side to above Spurs last season. And I do think, you know, in the modern modern transfer window, having a, a director as such as a paratechi who can really drive the business is, is you know, a luxury to, to some extent. But when he's got that, that network of contacts, you know, you look at some of the players they target in Italy, even... Um, I know they're not concrete links, but players like Gianluca Scamacca and, and players like that that I've seen Tottenham loosely linked with. You know, there's no no one better probably in world football than Paratici to to really, you know, he knows Serie A like the back of his hand and players like Glyson Bremer as well. I know his, uh, his stock's risen quite considerably in the past season or so, but, you know, they're, they're the kind of players that Tottenham are already hot on and, you know, teams like Manchester United at the moment and, um, you know, don't really seem to be looking at these kind of players, whereas uh, Paratici is already all over them. What's the chances, Ryan, of Spurs actually signing one of those who you mentioned, Bastoni, uh, Gavardio was another one. What's the chance of actually getting one of them over the line? Because, of course, Bastoni's agent has come out and said that, um, you know, they want to honour the contract and that he wants to yeah. stay into Milan. Do you think he can be turned and, 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 and could possibly sign for Spurs this summer? Ultimately, the key, Chris, is with, with Inter Milan and because, as we know, it's well documented, they need to generate some cash for a sale to, to clear some of their financial struggles. The one that they would push towards the door is Milan Skriniar, who is obviously 
um, a player that Tottenham have been interested in in the past. I know Steve Hitchin yeah. went to Milan, I think it was August 2020, to, or it might have been towards the end of the transfer window, to try and work on that deal, but it didn't quite come off for Spurs. I know Paris Saint-Germain are in talks to sign him at the moment. Um, and obviously, following that meeting with Bastoni's agent, there was clear communication that he'd be staying. But the key would be, you know, if they cannot find a buyer for Skriniar, they cannot agree a deal with PSG. And if there is financial pressure to to sell, then ultimately it's one that they they might look to push towards the door. I think Inter are confident within themselves that they can replace players, as we've seen with Lukaku and Hakimi. Um, you know, when they left, that was too integral parts of a, a title-winning dressing room. But ultimately, Dumfries came in and, and even Dzeko as a veteran came in and, and seemingly replaced Lukaku. So I don't think Inter are too um, caught up on losing any of their of their best players. But ultimately, you know, it has been agreed with Bastoni as a sort of gentleman's agreement as such that he'll be staying. Um, and also, I think it depends on Conte because I've touched upon this before in some of my videos, but if you... Rewind the clock to that defeat to Burnley when um, Conte looked to be on the brink. It just shows how quickly, with his sort of domineering character, things can change. Yeah. Um, you know, at the moment, it's all, um, you know, positive and upbeat at Tottenham. But, you know, say, for instance, there was a, a difficult start to the se season. You know, Conte is such an unpredictable character that, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if it ends in tears. And I think for Bastoni... If I don't want to hear that one. I know, I know. I've, 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 I've had a lot of, uh, you know, criticism from Spurs fans over that kind of line of thinking, but I still just think with Conte and his history, you know, for someone like Bastoni to to commit to Spurs, it would be to to work with Conte. So, yeah. you know, he might want to just assess how the next season plays out, and you know, if Tottenham continue to make strides like they're doing, then I do think it's a deal that can be struck in the future. In all seriousness, um, with that you saying about Conte, do you expect Conte to sign uh, an extension of his own contract? Because, you know, Spurs are clearly backing this manager. You know, in the last couple of months, any guests that come on this channel, I always said to them, what is the definition of backing Antonio Conte? This is it, isn't it? Yes, I think this is all Conte would have would have wanted when they they all sat down with the board at the end of the season, I think. Obviously, they would have outlined plans to go after ex-players and stuff, but he's received a cash injection from from the owners and they're showing ambition in the market. And ultimately, you know, if you look at the, the teams around Spurs, I think, quite frankly, any of them would, would snap your hand off for the transfer window that Tottenham have had so far. And, yeah. you know, there's still the best part of, of two months almost to go. So, you know, who knows what Tottenham could do in the, in the remaining uh, few few months and there's indications that they, they won't be stopping here and they'll be continuing to, to press on. So I think all the while the backing is there and all the while the likes of Harry Kane and Son want to stay, you know, you've got a fantastic stadium. If Spurs are performing on the field, then Conte has no reason to, to leave. And although, you know, he's a manager that doesn't tend to stick around, I think if you keep him happy and satisfied, I do believe he'll show that loyalty. Do you think that we will see him sign a new contract, though, at the very start of the season? I'm still a little bit sceptical, but it's, it's obviously a possibility. You know, if he receives assurances that this this is how things are going to continue from here on in, and he has everything, you know, a manager would want to 
to build a successful team. And, you know, I think personally, what I find attractive about the Spurs at the the Spurs job at the moment is it's a it's a project. It's not it's not one where success is, you know, guaranteed or it's not one where there's still a lot of work to do. But I think that's the exciting thing about it. And, you know, keeping the likes of Kane and Son and and I really feel like there's there's a, a great platform from last season to build on now. And, you know, I think only Conte will know if he's ready to, to commit to it. But, you know, on the basis of what we've seen, there's no reason why he wouldn't because he's he's receiving everything he, he wants. Ryan, before we talk about um, Clement Langley and Jed Spence, um, are Tottenham uh, linked with anybody else at the moment? Any any uh, close signings? Nothing close um, at the moment. Obviously, as we've learned, this transfer window particularly, you know, things can change within within an hour or so. But at the moment, um, it is very much the, the focus is on Clement Longley and uh, and Jed Spence. There's a few targets in the background that are, are being monitored. Um, I think the signing of a number 10, which can provide the flexibility to switch from a 3-4-3 to a, a 3-5-2 or 3-4-1-2, if you like, with that attacking midfielder, someone of the the Ericsson mould. Um, I know Jesse Lingard is obviously one that's been linked in the past few days, but I expect him to join West Ham. I do think that's a one they will certainly look at, a, a player that gives them that, that ability to switch to a two up front, which is obviously, as we talked about, where Richarlison could come into play, where Son, you know, features centrally. So it's about having that flexibility in that and that squad. But ultimately, I think Spurs are focused on on the two we mentioned and then it will be a case of what happens without going first. And you and you mentioned earlier um to me off air um about Spurs were looking at a player for the future. Yes, that's um Red Bull Salzburg's nineteen year old forward Benjamin Sesco. Um when I put the story out there was quite a few football manager fans who were sort of all over that because he's he's a player with ridiculously good potential. As we've seen with the Salzburg conveyor belt, you know, they're they're no strangers to producing top talent. We've seen Erling Haaland, Takumi Minamino, Dominic Slobosly, Sadio Mane, uh, Karim Adeyemi, who's joined Dortmund. The list goes on. So I think Salzburg is one of those teams that are just naturally so good at producing talent. And Sesco looks like the next in line. Um, from what I understand, Paratici is one of the many um, interested parties in, in a deal for Sesco. His agent has also just met with Paolo Maldini, who discussed his uh, his interest in signing him. So I think once we see a full season this year at Salzburg, I think we could see him potentially move to a, a European giant next summer. And Spurs are certainly making checks on him at the moment. OK, thanks for that. Um, what is the latest on Jed Spence? Because this transfer seems to be dragging on. Do you think that Tottenham will get this one over the line? Um, you know, when you think about it, um, Antonio Conte and the players will be getting on the plane to South Korea on Saturday. Will this be done before that date? You find me under pressure now, Chris. <laughs> but to be honest, <laughs> I, I, I'm always confident. I've always said from Spence, you know, from the people that I've spoke to and um, with knowledge of the situation, I've always been confident and I still remain confident that he will be a Tottenham player. And there are several reasons for that, and I'll explain why. One of which is Spurs have Champions League football, and the other clubs that are currently interested in signing him cannot offer that. Secondly, Forrest are now exploring other targets. They're resigned to the fact that, you know, Spence wants to join Tottenham. 
know, if you put yourself in the player's position as a 21-year-old, you're looking at a team who um, play in London, which is where Spence came through the ranks at Fulham. They've got the best stadium in the world. They've got Champions League football. They play a system that, that complements your style as a wing-back. You know, it's yep. a perfect fit. You know, if a team played a four at the back, you know, Spence isn't quite the same the same player in that situation. You've got, you know, players like Harry Kane and, and Jimin Son that you can potentially link up with. And, you know, he's not going to cost a, an extortionate fee. So, you know, from my perspective, all the signs are, are pointing towards um, Tottenham getting the deal done. I was expecting them to, to make a bid following the conclusion of the international break when, Spence played for England under-21s. I think he scored a, an own goal against Slovenia. And following the conclusion of that, I was told that, that Tottenham were ready to make an offer. But that offer was, um, you know, pretty low ball, to be honest. It's understood to be around £10 million with no add-ons, whereas Middlesbrough are looking for at least £15 million plus £5 million in add-ons. Um, and I wrote about this in my column this morning, that, that Borough are keen to push through the sale now because... Ultimately, the, the funds they get from Spence will be used towards a promotion push. There's several targets um, that they want to pursue, but they can't quite do that at the moment because the money's not there. Wilder's resigned to losing Spence, but at the same time, you know, if Tottenham don't pay what is required, then he would be happy to, to keep him or potentially explore selling him elsewhere. So I think Spurs are relaxed on Spence, although, as you mentioned, you know, the South Korea, he'll... Tottenham will want to get all their targets there for for yeah. the uh, the tour. I don't think there's any any pressure on it or any stress. I think it's one Tottenham are really relaxed about. You know, all the other clubs that have shown of interest, they can't really compete with what Tottenham are, are prepared to uh, you know have as part of their their proposal in terms of their package and and the sell of the club. But ultimately, it could rest with how patient Borough are prepared to be, and you know. As as the sign suggests, they're they're losing patience, so I could leave the door open for someone else to to wrap it up. But I really think you know Spence will be a Tottenham player. Right, if that deal doesn't get over the line, are Spurs looking at any other right backs? You know, um, there was um, Nordi Mukieli from from Leipzig, who's a player that's been looked at in the past, but I would probably say he would be more likely to feature at. Right centre-back, he's not really a wing-back as such. Although he has played there for Leipzig, he usually plays in a back four. So, yeah. Mukiel is one they would probably look at. He's one that was targeted previously under Jose Mourinho. Um, but I think, you know, from from what we can see in the media, I saw the comments from Emerson Royale's agent that, that Conte doesn't want to sell him at any cost. It's obviously been interest from Atletico Madrid and Roma. Um, but I think Tottenham would be happy to probably... And that's probably not what the fans want to hear, but I think they'd be quite comfortable to to maybe give it another go with Royale and Doherty once he returns. I think, you know, to, to Emerson's credit, he finished the season quite impressively, really. So, um, but then again, you know, the money's there to spend. So if they, they see another target and there's there's one that can be worked on, then you know, I wouldn't rule out a, an alternative move. But as I mentioned, you know, I'm quite confident that Spence will, will join Spurs. That's one thing that Antonio Conte is extremely good at, isn't it? And I don't think a lot of Spurs fans are, are worried in that regard because you know that if a player, um, you know, if, if if a player isn't playing his best, Antonio Conte will always improve that player and uh, and and get the best out of them, as as he showed last season. 
Yes, exactly. And, you know, Conte is very much a, a man who can turn trash into treasure. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to any players individually, but if you just look at what he done with Victor Moses, he was, you yeah. know, essentially passed around on loan to several Premier League clubs. And, uh, you know, Ashley Young, who was a spare part of Manchester United and seemingly you know, on the verge of retirement, he turned them into, you know, two phenomenal win-backs at, at Inter. So I do think Conte has that effect. And that's why I'd put trust in, in any signing that is made by Tottenham. You know, even though it, it might not look on paper like a, a sexy signing as such, you know, you trust in the club to um, that he'll get the best from them and, and improve players. I mean, it, even if you look at this season, some of the, the improvements some of the players have made, even the likes of, uh, you know, Eric Dyer, I look at him now and I think, you know, yeah. he should be in the England squad. He's, he's, he's like a new sign-in. And I know he's had several of those stages under, under Potts and Mourinho, but, you know, I think it's clear how highly he's rated by, by Conte now. And I think that will be the same case with, with several other players within the squad. Yeah, certainly huge improvement in uh, Ben Davis last season as well. Um, that brings me on nicely to speak about Clement Langley. Um, reports a couple of weeks ago were stating that Clement Langley was about to join Spurs on a two-year loan deal from Barcelona. Uh, recent reports are stating that it's going to be a 12-month loan deal. Um, do you have any um, latest information on the Clement Langley uh, situation? Yeah, you're right. It was an, it was initially looking like a two-year deal because... Um, you know, Longley has effectively been told by Barcelona he's free to find another club. And that saw him offered around to a number of clubs earlier in the window, including Spurs, Arsenal and Juventus. But Tottenham didn't really jump at the chance to sign him. But, you know, given what's happened with Bastoni and the lack of left-sided centre-backs available on the market, actually, if you look at them, you know, even yourself, I, I've done it myself, Longley is actually up there with uh, the most attractive options, which you know, to some is not particularly inspiring. But ultimately, I think he ticks a lot of boxes. And I think if he's to sign on a one-year loan deal with a, an option to buy, that really does buy Spurs some extra time to see what other options become available within the next year, which players come to. You know, we've seen even the likes of uh, Sven Botman and Gavardio. You know, but a couple of years ago, they weren't really players that were high in, held in high regard. They're, 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 they're developing. And I think, yeah. you know, we'll probably see next season new players that, you know, we, have, we haven't really heard that much of this, this summer develop. So it really gives Spurs a, a good bargaining position to, you know, if Longley is good, we'll sign him permanently. Why not? You know, he's a good age, 27 at the moment, France international, 15 caps, big game experience with Barcelona. If not, we'll move on to targets. And, you know, Bastoni might be, be available in, in 12 months' time. You don't really know. Would you expect Longley to get a lot of game time at Tottenham under Conte and, and just rotate with the likes of Ben Davis? Yes, but I think, you know, I know Spurs, it's well documented that Spurs are targeting a left-sided centre-back, but I think Conte loves Ben Davis. And, you know, if you look at his performance with uh, Wales against Ukraine in the World Cup uh, playoff, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Ben Davis, but... You know, on that left-sided centre-back of a back three, he looks like a different player to a, you know, a left-back. He's not that, you know, mobile as such. But the way he reads the game is his blocks, his tackles. Um, you know, I think he's a real asset to Spurs at the moment. And I'd probably expect him to, to look at signing a new contract. So, I think it'll be a case of rotation. 
I think Longley will probably be given minutes, but you know it's so in- important for Spurs to uh, to compete on all fronts. You need a competitive squad, and you know Conte's track record in the Champions League isn't that great. So I think the the key to the sort of changing that is having that depth where you can willingly rotate, where it doesn't actually affect the quality of the side. And I think Longley would provide that. Ryan, we know Antonio Conte is a league manager. He's, he's won leagues everywhere he's gone. Um, what do you think Tottenham need from now until the end of the window to really compete for the Premier League with the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool? It's a good question. I think, you know, ultimately they just need to continue this this trend of signing targets that are specifically tailored for for their requirements and, and their needs. I think ultimately a, a top-class centre-back um, and a, a creative midfielder that can play in that number ten role that offers the, you know, the flicks, uh, the the change in uh, formation would, I think that would be the ultimate way to, to um, to bridge that gap and and certainly put the pressure on. I think the key really for for Spurs is keeping everyone fit, which is obviously something that's completely out of your hands sometimes. You now we've seen some of the, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know the injuries Kane's had have been so unfortunate. But if you can keep him fit and firing, um, ultimately, you know he's as good as anyone in the league. Simple as that, really. Um, and it will just be a case of of strengthening the current options. And I think two, like I said, two top class additions plus Spence and Longley. I think I think I still think Spurs just need that that commanding. I know Romero's excellent and, you know, obviously he'll be starting next season, but I think one more at the back could could really, you know, if Spurs tighten up that defence to the point where they're conceding minimal goals, you know, Spurs on their day are going to score goals. And I think it, it's that simple. So um, that would be the focus from, from my perspective. But, you know, sometimes in terms of title races and stuff, it can be out of your hands. You know, if you look at the Premier League now compared to the year Leicester won it, you know, you need like 95 plus points to have a chance of winning the league. And I just yeah. think ultimately that is that is a difficult ask. You know, some of the Spurs sides in, in recent years, you know, would have been good enough to win the Premier League on Sunday. So in some seasons. So sometimes you need a bit of fortune. You maybe need City and Liverpool to drop their standards and, and Tottenham to have the best season they, they've had in, you know, Premier League history, maybe. Um, but there's no reason why you can't dream. So you don't think I am dreaming? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like from my perspective, I, I I do, you know, sometimes it doesn't always go how how everyone thinks, especially when you sign a lot of new players. But you know, from the outside looking in, I'm I'm looking at Spurs, and you know, there's not much, there's not much to suggest that they'll struggle next season. And you know, on the basis of of some of those performances towards the end of last season, it, it shows they're as good as anyone in the league. You know. And more than match Liverpool that day at that Anfield when they had a draw, um, could easily have won that game. You know, they beat City away and, and played an absolutely unbelievable game. Um, the 3-2 win at, at the Etihad. And, you know, it's just about that consistency for Spurs. You know, they can beat they can beat one of the best teams in the Premier League, but then the next week they'll go and lose, you know, 1-0 to Southampton or, or Burnley. So it's just about kind of... Uh, straightening out those those tiny dips in their season that they... I always remember when Conte arrived and he said, my team, I want them to, to be a team that... Um, I can't remember what he said, but he said like something like consistency, not win one, lose one. And that's kind of what was happening at times. 
he was like, no wobbles, just like, you know, it might be a draw, but it'll be three wins after it, that. I think it was, if we can't win the game, we are not to lose it. Exactly, something like that. And, you know, over, over time, those draws, they do add up the points, especially at the end of the season. You know, you look at pretty much every top four race, it's always down to a point at the end of the season or, or this and that. And, you know, some of the, the cheap losses Spurs have thrown away, certainly in recent years, you know, against lower sides. If you can, you know, straighten out those, then they certainly have a chance of of dreaming and, and being a third horse in a, a two-horse race. Surely, though, Ryan, if anyone's going to change that mentality and that's going to be shifted, it's got to be Antonio Conte. And I say this a lot on this channel as well. You go from Maurizio Pochettino to Jose Mourinho to Antonio Conte. How can you not win a trophy under those three, you know, quality managers? Um, do you yeah. think Antonio Conte is going to be successful at Spurs? Yes, I do. I just think Conte has been successful everywhere he's been. So I think he's got all the tools he needs. You know, it might not be. It depends what, you know, you're defining as success. Is it is a Carabao Cup a success? I think so, personally. You know, I know there was a lot judged on Pochettino's inability to win a trophy. Um, and people were saying, you know, if he wins the Carabao Cup, what, what's effectively the difference? You know, it's not a top-class yeah. trophy. But, you know, from my perspective, I think solidifying Spurs as a Champions League side again and winning a cup competition would be tremendous success for Tottenham. Certainly in an age where, you know, like I said, City and Liverpool were setting the benchmark at, at 93, 95 points every season. You know, it's so difficult to, to topple that. You literally have to have everything with you and hope that, you know, they're not on their on their game. And, you know, sometimes that's out of your control. So um, mm. I do think Conte has the ability to, to win trophies. And I think he's already transforming the whole mentality of the, the club. Right, with the four confirmed signings, if we get the two over the line in uh, Clement Langley and Jed Spence, that'll be six. How many more beyond that do you think, if I if I was to ask you for a prediction, how many more beyond that do you think the Spurs will sign before the 1st of September? I think I think two. I don't know. I know a, a creative midfielder will certainly be one that they look at. Someone who can play as a number 10 that can switch to that system, as I mentioned. Um, it's something that Conte done it into the land with with Christian Eriksen, it's a signing that, that changed them to a 3-5-2. Um, that is ultimately the, the formation Conte has favoured in recent years, particularly with Inter, two up front. Um, so it's one he'll he'll look to be looking to add to um to Spurs' armour really. Um and then it would just be a case of, like I said, maybe looking at play what players depart. Um you know, you look at players like Regulon, um Emerson Royale, you know, there's no guarantees are going to be at the club. Joe Roden as well, they might need an, an extra centre-back just to provide that extra cover. Yeah. Um, I do think it's one of those situations that is fluid. It's not something at the moment where Spurs will be set in stone and think we only want these two positions. I think they're very open-minded. And when you have, you know, a case where you've got the crux of the business over the line, it's such a good position to be in. So much freedom, you know. effectively. If the transfer window ended here, Tottenham fans, you know, wouldn't have too many complaints. They'd obviously want to see him go for more signings. Yeah. But I think effectively, if Spence and Longley arrive, I think that's a an eight out of ten plus window. You know, potentially more than that. So, um, you know, it's the world's their oyster, effectively. 
Well, I think the, the creative midfielder side of things is a real key. And I think that Spurs definitely need to sign a creative midfielder. Ryan, are you hearing anything that Spurs could possibly sign a player with Premier League experience within the Premier League at the moment? Are there any links anywhere? Yes, there's Jesse Lingard, as we touched upon, which is an interesting one because Spurs actually reached out to his representatives in January to um, hold you know, basic discussions over his situation at Manchester United. Um, he came close to joining Newcastle, but the breaks were kind of put on that, which was strange because he, he barely featured, you know, in the second half of the season, which which feels like a waste given, you know, how effective Lingard was at West Ham, for example. I think he yeah. scored nine goals and got four assists in about 14 to 15 games, which is, you know, those kind of numbers are ridiculous, really, for a, a creative midfielder. And I know Lingard isn't one that will potentially excite Tottenham fans because, you know, he's kind of of that Deli Alley mould where he's either going to be hit or miss, you know. He's either going to set the world alight or he'll be, you know, dreadful as such. And I, I'm I'm quite surprised Tottenham didn't weren't more serious about Ericsson. Um, I don't know if it was the figures involved, you know, that, that's just me speculating. But from the outside looking in, he's a player that loves the club, wants to stay in London, obviously has a great affiliation to Spurs from his, his time at the club um, previously. He's played under Conte before. You know, he's played with Kane. He's got a great relationship with Kane and Son. You know, all the signs were, were there to suggest that deal would would have been there to, to be done. So I don't know if there's other targets that, that Tottenham have their eye on. Um, but at the moment, I'm not actually aware of any. Um, but we do expect, you know, movement on that front because, as we mentioned, it's it's a pla- it's a position of such priority to Tottenham now that the majority of their business is done. Ryan, I completely agree with you on the Christian Eriksen thing. Um, but a lot of a lot of viewers and listeners don't agree. Uh, Spurs fans, they didn't want him back, but I certainly did. Um, let's talk yeah. about um, Spurs flying to South Korea on Saturday. Now, the big thing for me and the big question for me is who gets on the plane, who doesn't get on the plane? Because lots of speculation about the likes of Tongyon Dombele, Giovanni Lo Celso, Brian Hill, Joe Roden, who you mentioned, Harry Winks, uh, Sergio Reguilon, uh, Jack Clark, players like this. Um, for you, um, when does that decision get made? Or do you think the decision has already been made? Is Antonio Conte that decides that? Uh, or does he have to take these players to put some of them in the shop window? Uh, today, Tongyon Dombele came out and said, I just want to be happy. Um, is he going to be happy getting on that plane? I think ultimately it will hinge on, there'll be a few factors. One will be the condition they've they've returned to Spurs in, the mentality. You know, is Dombele ready to fight for his place or is he kind of just rocking up and in? And, you know, being relaxed about it, has, has he got that hunger to turn things around, you know, as a player that costs £55 million and that just about every Spurs fan adores when he's at the top of his game? Or is it going to be that, you know, lazy lazy player that doesn't look too interested, isn't too um, too motivated to, to, to perform at the top of his game? I think in the cases of everyone as a whole, you know, those players you mentioned, the likes of Roden, um, Brian Hill, who has loan interest from Sampdoria and Marseille. I think it will be a case of what proposals and what stage talks are currently at with, you know, potential buyers. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's pretty much common sense that you're not going to send a player to the other side of the world when, you know, they're on the verge of a, a transfer. You know, we only have to look at Cristiano Ronaldo with United set to jet off on Friday. 
you know, because his future is uncertain, it doesn't look like he's going to commit to, to doing that. I remember Lukaku, when he left United, flew to Australia with them and, and then had to come back. So I think it will be a case of which players are, uh, you know, what stage of negotiations. If there's not a concrete offer or certainly indication within talks that, you know, a deal was going to be close, then I think they'll travel. I think Conte is a manager that sets standards and, you know, demands that maximum and, and will, you know, certainly look to keep all the options, you know, available at hand seeing what players he can work with and how they improve within the, the next few weeks. But yeah, I I don't really see a case of, uh, unless there is genuinely a player that is on the verge of an exit, which sometimes there are transfers that we, you know, aren't reported and, and materialise quite quickly. Unless that is the case, and I do expect Spurs to sort of, uh, that flight to be full to the brim, to be honest with you. So you expect Andon Bella and La Celso to be on that plane? I mean, I don't want to make predictions, but, you know, Lo Celso is, is a complicated one because Villarreal would like to sign him on a permanent basis, but they didn't yeah. qualify for the Champions League or Europa League, which has really sort of um, uh, hindered their, their spending power. Um, that's why, you know, they're so keen to sell on at Danjuma. Um, obviously, there was negotiations with West Ham, but that deal has since sort of broken down for a number of reasons. Um, but the... The Lo Celso deal would have been one they would have been open to if um, Dan Juma was sold. Um, I still think he's a player of interest, but it would be a case of convincing Tottenham to reduce their asking price and getting kind of a cut price deal on that front. Um, if, you know, I don't see Ndombele and Lo Celso turning things around at Tottenham. I, I would like to see him do so because I think on their day, both of them are... You know, I was a big fan of La Celso at Betis and, and Dombele, you know. We've yeah. all seen when he turns up how good he can be. And I think Spurs in midfield, you know, I know we've talked about how good the options are now of Basuma and Bentancourt, but both of them provide something different. La Celso could be that number 10. So could Ndombele to, to some extent. But Ndombele is that player that when there's deep defences and stuff, he, he's got that bit of magic to unlock the door and... Uh, so it will be ultimately be up to the players and, and ultimately be down to which proposals arrive, what kind of money is offered to Tottenham. I do think they'll be keen to to offload both of those, though. I think it's very fair to say, Ryan, when Antonio Conte came in early November, having uh, taken over from Nuno Espirito Santo, he gave every single player in the squad a chance and a fair chance at that. Tonga Dombele clearly didn't take that chance. Do you think that Antonio Conte will possibly give... People like Tongion Dombele and Giovanni Lo Celso another chance in a Spurs shirt if there is no interest in this summer. Because when you look at how much money these two cost, £100 million between the two of them, and Spurs, you know, quite often, you know, in previous years have been heavily criticised about not spending money, £100 million between these two. Um, do you think that they could ever feature in a Spurs shirt under Conte again? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't see why not. I know Conte is kind of a someone who is quite stubborn in, in the way he operates. Um, now, I remember when Diego Costa was was told months after winning Chelsea the Premier League title that he was free to find a new club and he wasn't in, in Conte's plans. You know, he's that kind of savage. But I think, you know, if they are, ultimately, if they are showing that hunger and desire to turn things around in the sessions that are currently going on at, at Hotspur Way, um, you know, with view to potential South Korea if, if they do go out there. I don't see any reason why they can't turn things around, you know. Mm. 
I think Daniel Levy will be keen for one to maximise the money that that they sell the players for. But you know, he forked out big cash on both of them, like you mentioned, and he will try and encourage Conte to to kind of find that player within them and and you know avoid making Spurs huge losses financially. Um, so there's no reason why not. I don't think you know it would be encouraged from within the boardroom for for Conte to let them rot in the reserves when their value would be constantly decreasing. Um, you know, if you look at Ndombele when he signed for Tottenham in that opening game against Villa, I think it was. If you look at now the fact he went back online to Leon and they weren't even remotely interested in signing him permanently, you know, it's quite a fall from grace really. So yeah. if there's any way they can kind of find that um that revival and that fire with inside either player, I think they will certainly look to do it. Particularly as I mentioned, you know, the interesting element about the the fact Spurs need a number ten and, you know, both of those can play those roles. Um mm-hmm. so, you know, it might be a, an outside option that, that materialises. Well, we got here. Here we go from Fabrizio Romano earlier on the Stephen Bergwijn deal to Ajax for thirty million euros. Um, is there any other interest, Ryan, for um, some of these players? You know, because there's been lots of speculation about a lot of these players leaving Spurs, in particular Harry Winks, um, Everton, and Leeds. Um, apparently, registered an interest. Um, is there any truth in that? And uh, what is the latest on Harry Winks? Harry Winks is an interesting one because Everton approached. Tottenham about a permanent deal to sign him. There was also loose talks about the prospect of him being included in the Richarlison deal. But yeah. at the moment, it looks like Everton have kind of taken a back seat and they're looking at, at pursuing alternative targets. I think um, the kind of figures that Tottenham were, were looking for initially were sort of within the region of £25 million. I think now there's an acceptance that sort of 20 or close to that figure would be an acceptable offer. I think there is interest in, in other Spurs players as well, as I mentioned. Emerson Royale, Atletico Madrid have made a, a loan uh, with permanent view um, offer for him. But at the moment, Spurs don't really feel the need to, to weaken their options when they haven't even got Spence. I know Joe Roden is a player that Forrest have looked at. There's also other Premier League clubs that could enter the fray for him. I know De Vincent Sanchez is an interesting one as well because... You know, you still feel like deep down there is a, a very decent defender in there, but see, he's still so prone to a an error and a calamity. Um, and you know, if he, it's not if it's not happening for him now under Conte, you you do expect him to move on. And then Monaco and Sevilla have showed interest in him as well. And then also there's Brian Hill, which is uh, Sampdoria, Marseille, among the clubs to look at signing him on loan. Um, at the moment, it looks like Tottenham will probably look to see what happens with, with other players within their squad before they make a decision on that. I know Lucas Moore is looking out to, to see the final two years of his contract out at Spurs as well. So, you know, there's a lot of these players within the fringes of the squad that, you know, if the money's right, they would potentially move on. And that would give you know Tottenham a bit more leverage to, to look at some more fringe players. Brian, what do you think will happen to the likes of Troy Parrott? Of course, last season spent uh, the season on loan at MK Dons. And then you've got youngsters like Alfie Devine and Dane Scarlett, who, of course, have just won the Euro Championship with the under-19s. Um, do you yeah. think they, they will get much game time or would you expect all three of them or possibly one or two of them to go out on loan? I think that would be the plan for Spurs. I think they'll they'll be open to listening to what offers arrive. And with these kind of players, you know, there's always strong interest from 
EFL clubs and championship clubs. I think for someone like Scarlett, that is the you know the perfect move now. I think everyone knows that he is a serious you know prospect. Mm. It's just about um, kind of nurturing them, that now. I'm not sure if you're aware of, of Cameron Archer from Villa, but for me, he's one that has shown already that you know if you're good enough, then you'll make your mark on on loan. He went to Preston in the second half of last season. He looks you know a, a really top striker, and I think. If Scarlett was to go out and get some senior minutes and and hit the ground running and scoring goals, then it would certainly fast track his way into the the Spurs first team. Same applies to Parrot, really. I know he's quite a frustrating player. Didn't quite happen to for him at Millwall, and then he went to MK Dons and he's starting to show now flashes of that that quality. And you know we saw with Harry Kane, it didn't the penny didn't drop with him straight away. So it's just a case of finding the right fit, but. I think ultimately regular football is, is the, the importance right now. And with Spurs getting Champions League and not Europa League or Conference League, I think the best route for them will be uh, a loan move. The one name that always comes up when I do these types of streams is uh, James Madison. Do you think there's any chance that Spurs could put a cheeky bid in for him? Um, I think I think that shit may have sailed now, to be honest with you, Chris. He, he's a player that they'll always... There'll always be interest in him, not only from Spurs. You know, if you look at his profile, he's he's English, he's a good age, you know, his productivity in terms of goals and assists, and he's never quite reached that next level. And, you know, maybe a move away from Leicester would help him achieve that. But um I think Leicester would demand a premium for Madison, uh, sort of fifty million upwards. And I don't ultimately think Tottenham have shown the indication and desire that they'd, you know, be prepared to to pay that sort of money for Madison. Um, the same with the likes of Manchester United and Arsenal have also looked at him. So it's an interesting one. I think, you know, if Spurs are, if the money's there to finance a move for a playmaker, then he's probably one that would be considered. But, um, you know, I feel like someone like Madison would, would have to be like a concrete target that was identified in the early stages of, of the window, like Richarlison was, for example, um, in order for, for Spurs to pay that kind of money. Ryan, before we uh, talk about um, England, just wanted to get your opinion on who you think should be on the Tottenham Hotspur free kicks because Harry Kane seems to to be on them. He doesn't score very many. And when you've seen recently Hunmin Son take a couple for South Korea, um, it looks like he should be on them. Absolutely. I think, you know, if you get the chance to shoot, you want... I mean, they're not bad options to have, of course, but, you know, I think Son's precision in terms of his... Uh, you know, even from a dead ball, I've seen some of those South Korea free kicks. I think, you know, he's got to be up there with one of the best finishers on the planet. I know, you know, Kane's one-on-one finishing is, is next level as well. But, you know, the way the technique from Son and the, and the precision, which he hits them with power, but into, you know, certain pockets of the goal. I think, you know, certainly Son should be looking to pick that ball up a bit more regularly. There's a couple of other comments in in here, um, Ryan, saying about James Ward-Prowse and uh, Tielemans. Any chance of Spurs signing them this summer? Of course. I think those are players that will obviously be of interest to Tottenham because it's well documented that they've been looked at in previous transfer windows. I still think Tielemans is not really a number 10, to be honest, and, and neither is Ward-Prowse. They're both number eights as such. Um, I think Southampton would demand a seriously big fee to... Um, mm agreed to sell him Ward-Prowse, but obviously Tielemans, there's a deal there to be done for, for any club that, that wants to sign him this summer. He's, he's approaching the final 12 months of his Leicester deal. So, 
you know, if Spurs want him, they can go get him. Um, particularly given that the, the information I've received from the Arsenal end is that their interest has indeed called. I know there was conflicting kind of suggestions of whether they'd push ahead with that after the Vieira deal, but I was told to to not write about Telemans when it comes to Arsenal anymore because the interest was never as strong as uh, it has been indicated. So Tottenham, if they wanted to get him, they could certainly push ahead with that. Right, and lastly, just want to get your thoughts on England um, at the World Cup in November, uh, of course, in yeah. Qatar, um, in our group, uh, Iran, uh, USA and Wales. How do you think uh, England will do in the World Cup and and how strange do you think it will be uh, being played mid-season in the Premier League? Yeah, I, I do think I'm still not kind of completely warm to that idea, to be honest, particularly, you know, say, say the title race is hot enough or, you know, a big player gets injured and it, you know, if you get injuries at the World Cup, it just completely changes the the complexity of the season. So I'm really not sure how that's going to work. And, uh, you know, you'd expect the season to rumble on a little bit longer than, than expected. But of course, that then affects the next season as well. So there's going to be a lot of kind of uh, negative um, knock-on effects of, of the tournament. But nonetheless, you know, a World Cup's a World Cup. We're all going to feast on it. I think in terms of England, you know, looking at that group, you couldn't really have asked for, for an easier draw, really. Um, but, you know, it's important to, to stamp out that complacency. Um, you know, we know there's work to be done after the last two tournaments. Both tournaments, we've had favourable draws. But I think it's all about now. The fact, to be honest, the fact there's only two more games before the tournament concerns me, given, you know, the nature of that result against Hungary. I think Southgate is no closer to knowing his, his his strongest team. You know, we know the crux of it, but I think it'll be pretty similar to the one we saw at the Euros. And, and ultimately, that team hasn't played much together since since that competition. So um, I'm kind of a little bit frustrated that he was experimenting so so much in the uh, the Nations League games. But I think, you know, once it gets to a tournament, I think all of it goes out the window, you know. The team you put out will be among your strongest players. I think it's a completely different mindset and focus. So I'm not getting too caught up on that hungry result, but that was a real concern. You mentioned the form of Eric Dyer last season. He was absolutely fantastic for Spurs. Do you think there's any chance that Eric Dyer will be on that plane to Qatar? Of course. I think, you know, the fact they play a three at the back is certainly, um, you know, a huge benefit to to Dyer, of course, who, who's played such a good role in that uh, Spurs defence. And I think Southgate did name-check um, Dyer as one of those uh, players that were unfortunate to miss out on. I know it's maybe you know hard to take given some of the other players in there. Um, but centre-back's certainly a position that's up for grabs, the likes of Tamori. I know Cody isn't, you know, a lot of Tottenham fans find it, you know, crazy that Dyer's not in there over Cody. But, you know, I'm a big fan of Cody. I know he's not the greatest and most gifted Mag centre-back. But... Maguire is more questionable. Yeah, sorry, Maguire, of course. Um, you know, Maguire, yeah, I don't think if he was an, you know, an £80 million player, he certainly wouldn't be in that squad um, on the basis of his performances. So it'll be interesting. You know, if Dyer con considers, um, not considers, continues to maintain this kind of level of performance, I think it'll be hard to, to avoid him. Um but ultimately, it's probably in his hands and, you know, whether Southgate's bold enough to make that kind of decision where he uh, he leaves one of his other favourites out. 
Ryan, very last question for you. Do you expect Antonio Conte and Tottenham Hotspur Football Club to win a trophy next season? Are you going to press the end on the call if I say no? <laughs> I want your honest answer. I want your honest professional answer. I, I don't see why not. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, the problem for Tottenham is that they're in an era where City and Liverpool were so good. You know, yeah. if, if that wasn't the case, you know, you could say Tottenham would, would be almost certain to win a, a trophy next season. You know, it might only be the, the, the Carabao Cup or, you know, the FA Cup, but, you know, a trophy is a trophy. I think yeah. Tottenham have, have got everything they need now to, to do it. And it, if they don't, then I think, you know, it's their own sort of issue, really. Um, although, you know, City and Liverpool are, like I said, at the top of their game, I think, you know, you've got two of the best players in the league in Kane and Son. And you're making sign-ins that are really, um, you know, showing that you're back in the manager. So all the tools are there and it, it's just down to the players and Conte to deliver now. Well, Ryan, I can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, tell everyone where they can find your, your YouTube channel and your wonderful work uh, to do with the Daily Express. I appreciate you um, you asking me on, Chris. I've, I've really enjoyed myself, actually. That, that hour was uh, flown by. So in terms of my... Um, my Twitter account is at Ryan Taylor Sport. Um, that's where I do most of you know my updates on a day-to-day -day basis. But you can find my work on the Daily Express website. But my YouTube channel is Taylor Talks Transfers. Um, hopefully, Chris is kind enough to maybe plug it at the bottom of the description. Maybe that might Absolutely. get me a little bit of uh, appreciate that a little bit of uh, of traction. But I'm just starting to build it slowly. You know, hopefully one day I could maybe have a, a channel as big as this from Chris. It's, very impressive and uh i've been you know very impressed like i said with the setup and uh always welcomed me onto the show so thank you very much chris and i hope you guys have, in, have enjoyed it we've had a lot of love in the the comments ryan i can't thank you enough you've been a brilliant guest and hopefully we can have you uh back on again uh when tottenham have won a trophy or indeed challenged for the mm -hmm. premier league or even won the premier league wouldn't that be lovely and uh, no, i can't wait to read your articles on it either um no worries thanks for watching everybody sorry ryan what were you gonna say no, I was just saying, yeah, hopefully, you know, for yourself, that is the case. But, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed the show and I appreciate some of the comments that I can see now. So thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. And I will see you on um, another live tomorrow when I've got very special guest Matt Letizia, um on the channel. So that would be an interesting one. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next one. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time.
Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it, but nobody is gonna do it for you. Nobody is gonna push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is gonna make you eat better. But here's the thing, nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.